Episode 54 of Shane Lean on Batman. Today's guest is doing the Lord's work, directing some of the greatest comic book animated films from Batman vs. Robin, Batman and Salt on Arkham, and The Dark Knight Returns, where that film received 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Let's just put it this way. Some Pixar films don't even make it that high up there. Uh, his next film, Batman Bad Blood, is coming uh, out on February 2nd, so welcome to the show, Jay Oliva. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me here. Oh, thanks, thanks for coming on. So, Batman has been a big part of your life. Uh, when were you first introduced with the, to the character? Was it the 66 show? Was it Burton's Batman? Was it the Dark Knight Returns? Uh, actually, okay, so the very first time I saw Batman was probably the 66 show. Uh, that was back in the 80s. Um, and I saw the 66 show. Uh, I loved it. And then at the same time, they were airing Super Friends on TV. So, I was exposed to Batman. Um, from uh, from the '66 and the Super Friends show. Awesome, awesome. Uh, you went to Loyola Marymount University. Is that where yeah. you kind of like honed your craft as an artist? Because your your artistry is amazing. Like when I ever was looking at your like storyboard art or like just any like your little doodles, like it's amazing. Is that where you kind of honed your skill, or have you been drawing since you were a little kid? Um. Well, uh, I actually been drawing since I was a little kid, but I never really wanted to, I never thought I'd pursue a career in art, mostly because, you know, I come from an Asian parenting background and my parents always said, don't go into art, there's no money in it. So they're like, okay, you're going to be a doctor. So I actually was in Loyola Marymount to be, I was a bio major. I was going to be a doctor. I wanted to be a pediatrician. And uh, along the way, uh, when I was a kid, I think I was like I don't remember how old, but I remember my brother came home from the comic book store. My brother's about 10 years older than me. And he brought home the Secret Wars uh, series. I think it was up to issue 10. He had bought all the back issues and up to issue 10. And I remember reading that along with like the ROM, uh, the Space Knight comic books, as well as like Spider-Man. Amazing Spider-Man was like my favorite. So that's how I got introduced to comic books through basically Marvel comics. And uh, and from there, I just started just drawing because I loved, you know, I loved comic books. I loved animation. I mean, I loved watching cartoons. So I would I would kind of like watch uh, my favorite shows, try to record it on my Betamax, and then I'd freeze frame it and try to draw it just from my head. Uh, I mean, just just looking at it and drawing it. And then I would go to the library, which is right now it's foreign today to kids, but I would go to the library and ch- check out like as many drawing books as I can. And they were all like draw 50 animals where it starts off with a circle. And then next thing you know, it's like a fully rendered horse. And I'm like, how did we get there? Um, <laughs> So I basically taught myself how to draw because I never really had any formal art training. So I learned to draw from comic books, uh, looking at animation, and then as many art books or anything I can get my hands on. PBS had a lot of really cool uh, art, art uh, um, like how to draw or how to paint. I always thought those were fascinating. Um, so I taught myself how to draw all throughout my life. Uh, it wasn't until I hit college that I actually had any kind of formal. I actually took my first life drawing class in college and my first uh, animation class, which I took because I needed a communication arts requirement. Because again, I was taking all my bio lab and all my other, you know, undergrad 
stuff and I needed a communication arts requirement. And I had always loved films because my dad's a huge uh, Western fan. So I would watch, I watched every single John Wayne film and, you know, John Ford film and, and, you know, uh, and, and so I used to love, I used to love, I used to watch films all the time. And, and I remember, I think maybe when I was like 14, uh, we would go and rent movies, whereas you could rent it for a dollar a day. So I, I bike a mile away, rent five movies, watch them that night and then go back and get the next one. I just went through so I I, got, I watched a ton of bad movies, you know, really, awesome. bad, <laughs> you know, but some of them was great. And I watched Bloodsport. I watched American yes, Ninja. Yes. Uh, but then again, I also saw, you know, American World from London and, and all these films that, you know, um, I wouldn't have seen unless I had actually gone out to see it. And then that's when I got exposed to Akira Kurosawa, uh, you know, um, you know, uh, Scorsese, uh, all the different directors, you know, really great directors that I got to see. Oh, okay. Other than the the, the 80s, like, uh, cheesy stuff, I got to see some really great uh, uh, directors and filmmaking from those guys. And, and again, I, at this point, I never wanted to get into film. Uh, I never wanted to get into the theater. I always lo- I liked the theater, but honestly, like, getting in front of the camera and, and memorizing a script was just like... Yeah, it was it was terrifying to me. I think I would have rather gone to war or something, you know, get shot at because it was just terrifying, you know. Um, and so I never wanted to get into theater or any of that. But again, like I said, when I got into college, I did a communication arts requirement. There was animation, and I thought, well, you know what, I'll, I can draw because you know at that point in time, I had already, you know, Todd McFarlane was actually a big influence to me, and actually emulated a lot of like his style, you know, back when the image stuff was big, and back when he was doing Amazing Spider-Man. So I started my style kind of skewed towards him, uh, and so when I did animation, I just thought, well, I can draw. You know, and I, I, you know, let me just take this class. I didn't want to make, because for me, animation was like, you know, oh, I have to do cloth animation or make a duck limp or walk cycles. <laughs> it's like, the most boring thing. I'm like, I don't want to do that. Um, but, you know, funny enough, my my professor in college at the time, and this is back in 1995, 96, um, my uh, college professor was Van Partible, the guy who created Johnny Bravo. And uh, then I remember one day, uh, for those of of the audience who actually has ever taken animation, uh, you do a lot of different steps in the first time you learn our animation. One of the first things is bouncing ball. And then you do like, uh, you know, uh, lots of different exercises to kind of show you like the squash and stretch, all the principles that that, uh, every great animator knows. But I remember uh, we were about to do anticipation, which was like you do this like a tea kettle pot that's about to like, you know, uh, explode. And we were about to do that when Van's like, hey, I'm going to tell you guys how to do uh, storyboards. And I was like, storyboards, what the hell is that? So he spent all of, I don't know, I mean, I, I might be just uh, uh, making it less than it was, but in my mind, I think it was only like all of half an hour because basically he just said, like, these are storyboards. This is what the animators use as kind of a blueprint. You, you basically do the keyframes uh, in, in the storyboard and and then the animators basically do the in-betweens. And, uh, and so... I filed that information up away in my head as I'm never going to use this ever in my life, just <laughs> along with X sheets. X sheets is another most boring thing in animation where you just say how many frames per drawing something is and any kind of camera moves. It's the, I don't know. I mean, God bless the timing directors who, who love doing X sheets, but it is the most, I, I can't, I, I could not do it. But anyways, I, I filed it away in the back of my head storyboards. I'm like, yeah, whatever. And I just did my film. I did my student film, uh, my 110 film, uh, and then I did 
that was in the fall semester. And in the, in the spring semester, my, my, the same professor was going to be teaching the 220 class. And I had gotten an A, so I figured, hey, I, I should take the 220 class. Uh, I did the 220 class, and it was around that time that um, I got a call from my cousin. I was now at the time I was a starving college student. Uh, my my cousin had given me a call and said, "Hey, there's a job opportunities expo uh, here in, uh, in the Universal Studios. Uh, there's at the Sheraton. This is back before. I think right now it's called CTX, CTNX, or something like that. It's a, a, a animation kind of job opportunities expo." Um, so this was an early launch. So he said, hey, let's go there. And I was like, no, I don't really want to go. Because prior to going, uh, that Comic-Con, the summer prior to that, I think it was the summer of 95, was my first Comic-Con. I went down to Comic-Con, you know, uh, bright-eyed 19-year-old thinking like, oh, I'm going to break into comics. Because, you know, I just thought, well, I can draw. I draw pretty well. Maybe I'll try. I remember, comics was huge at this point. And uh, I went there, and I just, I just lost all uh, hope to get into comics. Uh, everybody I showed it to, they would be like, "Well, you need to work on this and this." And mind you, my art wasn't that great. But when, but when the, uh, I think it was, I don't know who was looking at it. It was over at the um, Extreme booth, and they were telling me like, "You need to work on your anatomy." I'm like, "You guys are Extreme Studios. Have you seen some of your anatomy?" I mean, come on, guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, not to knock it all, but I found out later on, uh, you know, after I started working I, and I started meeting guys who came from Extreme Studios, they were telling me that, you know, a lot of the times the guys who were looking at the portfolios weren't the artists. They were like, you know, uh, whoever they can get to just sit at the table and look at, look at, uh, you know, portfolios. So I might have gotten some guy who didn't know what he was talking about. And anyway, so that just ruined my hopes. I just thought, ah, OK, never going to get into comics. That's eh, cool. I'm going to be a doctor. So anyways, I went to this Job Opportunities Expo uh, and I show up and I'm just I just want to go in there. My cousin's like, oh, bring some drawings. And I'm like, I don't even have a portfolio. So anyways, he luckily in my trunk, I had just a bunch of drawings that I had. And he's like, here, put this in this manila folder. And I, so I had this really crappy manila folder that had like, I had to scratch out the name on the front with like sh black Sharpie. I just stuffed drawings. I had just all loose leaf drawings, just stuffed it in there. I go there, I go into the, the place and I am like a fish out of water because I am like, I'm 19 years old. Everybody I see is twice or three times my age. <laughs> they all have leather portfolios dressed in ties. And I mean, they're all professionals. And here I am, this kid that just kind of shows up and I'm like, like okay and and so my cousin's like hey let's split up and walk around so i walk around you know disney's there uh i don't think dreamworks is there yet because they haven't they hadn't started yet but like is there classy supo uh nickelodeon like all the big studios were there as well as some of the smaller ones i walk around just kind of look over people's shoulders and then my cousin comes up to me he's like hey uh marvel films has a booth over in the side why don't you go show them your stuff and i was like oh, okay so i go over there and there's two tables. The table on the left, they're doing, I think, the Incredible Hulk series at the time. And it's a, it was a new show, so they were, it was just crowded with people because, you know, they were they were crewing up and they were trying to find artists uh, for the show. Right next to them was the Spider-Man show, which was the one that was on Fox in the 90s. Nice. And there's only one guy. Yeah, I don't know if you guys remember. So there was one oh, guy yeah. in line. And, uh, and so I look over that guy's shoulder and he's a comic book artist and he has the most fantastic pencils. They're so tight and they're beautiful i don't remember what they were they were just so i looked at him like oh god i suck and so uh the the guy behind the table 
uh, storyboard supervisor, he's looking at it. And so he's like, this is really good stuff. He looks at the guy and says, uh, have you ever done storyboards before? And the guy's like, storyboards? And and so uh, the guy at the table, the supervisor's like, well, here's my card. If you ever have any samples for storyboards, let me know, you know, and give me a call. So the guy leaves. I come over. I hear those storyboards, and that's like the, you know, light bulb on my head. I'm like, I remember when my professor talked about storyboards for all of 30 minutes. I know this. So I, walk <laughs> over, I walk over, I shake hands, I hand him my, you know, manila folder of just random drawings. And I'm like, I know storyboards. And I just start to ramble on. Because mind you, I've never done a job interview before. I have, I'm just hoping that what it, I'll say something right that will be a buzzword that he'll be interested. But, <laughs> That's awesome. And so he is, he opens up my folder and, and starts, you know, going through my loose drawings. And they're just random drawings of like, you know, here's Wolverine and here's Prophet. Here's, you know, whatever was hot at the time. I don't remember. And I'm just rambling, just trying to say anything. Hopefully it'll, it'll spark something in him. So anyways, and, and this is what... I mean, God bless, I don't know what it was, divine intervention or something, but I had fortunately stuffed in the storyboard, a storyboard page from my film that I had done for my 110 uh, for college. And it was just on an animation bond paper. So it's a little bit oversized. Mm -hmm. And in order for me to get it into the into the manila folder i think i folded it was just folded all weird and i remember he opened it up and there was a coffee stain so it creaked open and and i was just so embarrassed and and it and i just kept rambling he looks at it and i remember he he, he looked really closely at it and then he looked up at me and he's like how old are you and I'm like 19, but I'll be 20 soon if that makes any difference. <laughs> and so he just started laughing. And so he, he's looking at my shots and then he nudges the guy next to him who was the uh, assistant storyboard supervisor. And he's like, hey, take a look at this. And then now he's actually talking to me. So he's like, uh, so, you know, where do you live? And I'm like, oh, I live, you know, here in LA. You know, I work, I go to school at Lower Marymount. And he's like, well, how do you feel about, you know, going to the valley, traveling to the valley? Now, mind you, even though I lived in LA all my life, I don't think I've ever gone to the Valley before. And I don't think I even knew where it was, but I just said, sure, I'm really close. Cause I figured, hell, I'm in LA. Everything's gotta be at least 30 minutes away. Oh, yeah. So uh, long story short, he gives me uh, a test. So he gives me um, the script. He gives me uh, a, a pack of storyboard paper, uh, the model sheets, a huge pack of model sheets. And he gives it to me and says, Hey, uh, why don't you do this page of script? Let me see it in a week. Uh, and so I, uh, I, I was on cloud nine and, uh, the storyboard supervisor's name was Bill Ryling and, and Bill right now, he is, uh, he's over at Warner brothers. Uh, I think he's at Warner brothers do it. The feature was, I think he's Warner brothers animation group, but he, he was at DreamWorks for a very long time. Wonderful, wonderful guy. Uh, anyways, he, he gives me this, uh, I go home and this is, I think this was either, this is a Sunday. And I'm on cloud nine. I'm like, this is the greatest fucking thing. And, uh, <laughs> and, and so I, I go home and I start working on it. Okay. So by Wednesday, I had talked myself out of it. I got to Wednesday and I was just like, what am I doing? I mean, and I, and I, I got cold feet. And so I didn't do it. And then Thursday comes along and my, my college roommate, Mike, he, we go out to lunch. I mean, we go out to dinner. I remember this very, 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 uh, very carefully. That uh, he 
we went out to dinner and he's like, how is the test going? You know, because it's due Friday. And then I, I basically tell him, I tell him, oh, hey, you know, I'm flattered that I got the test. It's cool. But, you know, I should finish school first. Uh, maybe when I finish school, I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll contact him and maybe I'll do the test, I'll, you know, and, and maybe go from there. But I'm flattered that I got it. But, you know, I don't think I'm ready. And, and you know, what if they don't like it? And, you know, I just totally just lay it out to him, you know. And I remember he looked at me. He's like, what the hell's wrong with you? I'm like, what? He's like. He's like, listen, if you do it and they don't like it, then that's fine. At least you know. But if you do it and they like it, he's like, that could change your life. Right. And yeah. and he really and he just and it just really like gave me the the strength that I need. So I went back. I did an all nighter. I uh, I uh, I finished it. I drove. I drove to the studio. And uh, by the time I got there, I was like, oh, is Bill Riling here? And the, and the receptionist like, oh, he went home for the day. And I'm like, oh, I, I missed my chance. So I dropped off my sample. I mean, my, my, my yeah, my samples. And I left. And then uh, the following week, I believe it was spring break. And so I was, remember, I was working, I, I was selling computers. I worked at Computer City selling computers. And I was, and because it was spring break, I was doing, I, I, I had uh, volunteered to do stocking. So I would do my nine to five and then work some overtime where I would help restock the store. And and so I did that. And then I remember it was, what day was that? It was a Wednesday. It was a Wednesday that week. I got a call from him and, and I'm like, he's like, Hey, I'm sorry. I didn't get a chance to call you, but I really like your test. Um, we'd like you to come in. How soon can you start? And I'm like, I can start right now. And so he just started laughing. He's like, why don't you come on Monday and we'll see where it goes. So anyway, so I, I go on Monday and I thought that I would do is I would still work at Computer City, work there part time. I mean, work there, of course, and, and just work around it. But after like, I think it two days working there, I just, I went and I quit. Get and back, I, Computer City. And then, a, about a week, and then in about a week or two, here's and about a week or two, working on it i realized this is really awesome now remember they hired me not as a storyboard artist they hired me as a revisions which is basically the bottom of the barrel i basically do revisions on the storyboards that come in okay. and so and mind you i had i had no other prior training prior to this you know so i had to learn on the job and so i remember they hired me for three months as a trial just to see how it worked out because, you know, I'm just a kid, so I might not work out. And so I remember I kept fixing this specific storyboard artist's work over and over again. Like every single time I would get his his work, I can recognize it because, you know, every storyboard artist has a different style of drawing. And I'm like, huh, this guy's work always has the same fixes. You know, it's always the same thing. And so I, I went to my I went to Bill and I said, hey, Bill. Hey, this guy I keep doing getting fixes from, uh, why do we keep sending him work? You know, and he's like, and Bill's like, well, you know, it's really hard to find storyboard artists because uh, it's hard, especially action adventure ones. Uh, he's like, and, and he's like, I just needed to assign it out and then we'd fix it after the fact. I'm like, huh, okay. And so I, and then I asked him like, hey, um, is it hard to become a storyboard artist? Like, do you have to take a test? Is there an LSAT, MCAT? Is there something? like? And he's like, no, no. Uh, he's like, you just have to, you know, no film and then be able to draw the shots. I'm like, oh, okay. It's interesting. I was like, is there any classes? He's like, no, there aren't really, nobody really teaches in school. You kind of just have to learn it on your own. Uh, but he's like, if you want to learn, he's like, uh, I, 
I've got the copy of the Five Seasons Cinematography, which is this book that was out of print at the time. Now you can get it on Amazon. It's it's a, it's a wonderful book. But uh, so he had a Xerox copy of a Xerox copy of the Five Seasons Cinematography. He hands it to me. He's like, okay, read this. And then he walks over to uh, his his uh, file of storyboards, and he pulls out like probably a stack of storyboards that was probably about two and a half feet tall. It was just packed to the top. Um, and he hands me this huge stack of paper and he says, okay, read this book and look at these storyboards. And I'm like, that's it. He's like, yeah. And that's, and so what I would do is I work, I work my, I'd go to, because I was still going to Lower Lower Marymount at this time. I would, I would go to school till about noon, then drive into work, get to work at about one, work from one to about 10 o'clock. And then from 10 o'clock to one for three hours, I would read the book and look at the storyboards. And I did this for, you know, uh, maybe about a week or two, uh, quite a while. And I really studied it. And then it was like riding a bike. Uh, It clicked at some point. The material that I was reading and looking at the storyboards, it all kind of made sense. Um, before I used to, you know, think of, you know, like, okay, if Spider-Man's fighting the rhino, I've got a million shots that I can do. I can put the camera low, I can put the camera high, the eye level, where am I going to put the camera? And and it was this really hard decision of where I'm going to plan to put this camera. Now, then after reading the the, the, the book and really studying the storyboards now remember the storyboards that he gave me were from artists who were one of the top in the industry at that time and they were they were solid and and so i realized that even though there were different artists they were all using the same shots for any specific occasion so like for example whenever spider-man was in trouble we they'd always use a down shot you know uh, whenever like the rhino or the hobgoblin or kingpin was you know uh you know uh, had spider-man you know on the ropes and was about to kill him it was always an upshot. And once I realized that and, and started to really understand the language of film and how not just the shot, but how the shots are put together, that I really, really, really understood what storyboarding was about and also filmmaking was about. I mean, mind you, I was still really rough around the edges, but it was it was eye opening. And I, I, at that point, I was like a sponge. I just I could not stop just absorbing as much information as I could. And so uh, I remember I went to my my uh, my storyboard supervisor Bill again, and I was like, "Hey, um, can I storyboard something? You know, can I can I really try this out?" He's like, "Yeah, you know, I'll give you a page or whatever." And I was like, "Oh, by the way, how much do storyboard artists make?" And he told me, and it was like twice as much as I was making as a revisionist. <laughs> and I'm like, "I have to learn how to do this job." So, anyways, long story short, I uh, I became a storyboard artist after about oh I don't remember maybe about five months of nice. being there, uh, and so my first if you I don't know if you track this down I don't remember the name of the episode but my very first storyboard was I did a sequence in it was a Prowler episode of Spider Man where I think Hobie Brown he he steals I think there's a scene where he steals. Uh, a purse and he's he hides behind a dumpster and he's taking out the jewelry or whatnot and then spidey like lands in a on a um fire escape above him and, and talks him and kind of freaks him out i think it was the first scene i did and then the big action sequence that i the first one i ever did was there was a secret wars uh <laughs> and i did that where it was basically all of the it was a fantastic war it was like everybody fighting these giant yeah. worms yeah and that was, that was my very first like uh action sequence that I ever did. I overboarded it, of course, my first because I was so overexcited cool. about it. But that was my first one on that series. And and so uh 
I, I finished, that was my last season there. I thought I would be at Marvel forever, and I thought I'd be either revisionist, but then I got bumped up to storyboards, and I finished there. I was there for the last season, um, and and I got to meet Stan Lee. That was fun. Uh, and then I was done, and then they were like, okay, well, you know, uh, thanks for your help. We, you know, I have to lay, very, lay everybody off because, uh, you know, I think at the time Deke had bought the rights to do Silver Surfer or whatnot. And they were trying to get everybody to work on that, but that never panned out. So I ended up going to, I had, I had a tip from my office mate at the time. And uh, this was a story brothers who like his phone would be ringing off the hook every day and it'd be constantly asking him to do freelance work, you know, from Gargoyles and all these different shows. And I remember I'd look at my phone and it's not ringing. And I looked, told myself like someday my phone's going to keep ringing like that and I have to turn down work. You know, that was my little vow to myself. And so anyways, he, he gave me a tip like, hey, Sony Animation is doing, um, doing a show. Why don't you go over there and interview with one of the directors? So I go to Sony. And I'm at this point, Sony Animation. The, the only thing they've done was Jumanji, I think. Yeah, it was Jumanji and uh, shoot, something else. So I wasn't. I was kind of like, I don't know, because you know, I had just done Spider Man. That was you know, dream come true. So I go there and I ended up. I interviewed with the with the uh, uh, producer Audi there, and he's like, Oh, we're doing Extreme Ghostbusters. And I'm like, Oh, yes. Ghostbusters! I love Ghostbusters. He's like, No, oh, no, we're not following the movie, but we are in that same universe. You know, so Slimer's in it. They, you know, they still have. I was like, it's not the Ghostbusters with the the ape, is it? The monkey? He's like, no, 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 no. This is like, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, this is still. You know, we're still using the license of Ghostbusters, but we, uh, it's a whole new team. So, anyways, uh, that was the first show that I was on as a full blown storyboard artist. Uh, and I remember we did forty episodes of Extreme Ghostbusters. I learned a lot there. I mean. The audio and, and my directors, I learned quite a bit, like storytelling. Because at the time, uh, a lot of the – we were using not-so-great animation um, studios. And so they put a lot of restrictions to our storytelling because they were they, – they did they were basically – we call it idiot-proofing the, the storytelling. So one of the things I just thought was ridiculous was they didn't want any running and talking. So you had to have these guys running after a ghost stop deliver their line and then continue. <laughs> and the reason why was because, uh, you know, running animation is really difficult uh, for overseas to do, or just, it's just difficult to animate, especially when you have uh, footfalls on the actual ground and trying to track it with the ground animating. And it's just, it's, it's, you know, unless you're a really proficient animator, it's really tough. And I think a lot of the studios that we were using uh, were, they were just like, uh, I call them like a uh, fast food, type of uh they weren't giving us really nice animation they were just like here, here, here we're just going to take your drawings we're going to trace over it and we're just going to put the in-betweens and then we're just going to go and so they they imposed a lot of things like that like they didn't want any like panning backgrounds oh and back then we couldn't do because there were still these things called basic standards and practices which still are today but back then we couldn't hit in the face we couldn't like there were oh. lots of things, no no punches to the uh, body. I think like that. it was really weird stuff. Like you know, hits to the head, anything that could be oh uh, anything that could be replicated by a kid, uh, we couldn't do. Um, wow. So like even like jumping out a window, like we so we had to make sure that all the windows were open. So it's the oddest thing that like these guys would fall out a window, but that window just always happened to be open. So there was all these things that like we had to storyboard around because of the limitations of the animation or like you know BSMP or, or even taste of what the producers wanted. So anyways, um, we had 
I remember during uh, during Ghostbusters, uh, some of the board artists got promoted to directors, and I was like, "Holy shit! I didn't know storyboards could even be directors." So I went to my <laughs> producer, and I asked him, "I was like, hey, Adu, um, hey, all the all the directors, um, they all got promoted, you know." And, and coincidentally, funny enough, uh, Sam Liu, who is one of my the other directors over at Warner Brothers with me, who does a lot of the DTVs with us, was one of the first directors. Uh, from that lot who were storyboard artists who got who got bumped up. And I remember I was like, hey, Sam got promoted. I was like, that's really cool. I was like, and I asked him, like, how do you get into, how do you become a director? I was like, do you have to, is there, is there, do you have to join the Director's Guild of Animation? I mean, Director's Guild of America? Do you have to do, you know, is there an LSAT, MCAT? Is there a test? Like, what do I have to do to be a director? <laughs> and he's like, oh, no. He's like, it, he's like, you just have to be good at storyboarding. Like, if he says, like, if 90% of your storyboards go through without being changed, he's like, you, you, he's like, uh, then you're probably ready to be a director. And he's awesome. like, you know, and on top of that, you have to be able to manage your team and talk to people and have, you know, uh, you know uh, personal skills type of thing. So I was like, oh, okay. And then I was like, um, so how much do directors make? And so he told me, and it was like three times as much as he was thinking. I was like, holy shit. I was like, I gotta learn this job. That's awesome. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, we we had done Extreme Ghostbusters that season. The next year, we did uh, Godzilla, the animated series. Yep. And then wow. and then that following year, we did uh, Roughnecks, the Starship Trooper Chronicles. And uh, and it was coincidentally enough, I was Sam Liu was my director on an episode of the very first. I think it was the first four episodes of the season. And I remember we were on episode three or something when. My other buddy, who was a director, he left to to go to uh, Big Guy and Rusty. And is it a Big Guy and Rusty or it was Men in Black? I can't remember. But there was a director slot that was open, and I had at the time I think I was doing really good board work because my stuff wasn't being changed. I was like, well, I think I was doing really well you know, uh, as a storyboard artist. And so uh, my producer calls me in. I would use like, hey, uh, you know, Chris is leaving. You know, we have a board. We have a director slot. Would you like to take this? And I was like, hell yes! And so I became a director on that series, Roughneck Starship Trooper Chronicles. I, and it was it was great because it was CGI. It was, it was you know it was back in its infancy, back in ninety eight, maybe ninety seven, ninety eight was when we worked on it. Um, I think I was twenty one or twenty two when I became a director. So it was. Pretty good. I think I was one of the youngest directors ever. I don't remember if anybody else was that. So <laughs> the hardest thing for me at the time was people like taking me seriously because they kept, you know, I was a kid. But one of the things I really wanted to do is I really wanted to push the storytelling. I really wanted to make it more cinematic, make it uh, feel more like a movie because, you know, I mean, that, that's what I'm into. So so I learned a lot on that series. I directed on that series. And uh, and then from there, I just, you know, I learned a lot. Well, I, was, I was at Sony for a total of like six Six years until I went to Mike Young and did um, He-Man Masters of the Universe. I was the storyboard supervisor there, or technically I was the director. Um, and that was fun because that was, again, that was like a dream come true. I loved He-Man and got to, and I got to do the revival back in the 2000s. And then it wasn't, so, so to get to my, how I got attached to Batman. So it wasn't until uh, after I finished He-Man that the Batman at Warner Brothers was started up. And they called me and they're like, hey, you want to work? I was like, of course. And they're like, oh, Bruce Tim isn't attached to it. It's, you know, it's, it's a different guys. And I'm like, 
ah, I was like, that's okay. You know, I, I was, I was totally dying to work on the show. Cause prior to, to that, I had gone to Warner Brothers Animation as myself and Chap Yates, who's also another storyboard artist director. He was also in comic books. We became friends when we were at Sony. We went to Warner Brothers thinking, hey, let's drop off a portfolio and like hopefully we can get into Batman the Animated Series, right? Mm-hmm. And we dropped it off and we waited and we waited. And about a month and a half later, we get a call and they're like, hey, can you come pick up your portfolio? And we're like, okay. So we we go over there and I open my portfolio and it doesn't even look like anybody even looked at it. You know, and I just, (laughs) oh my God, I'm like, oh, I guess I'm never going to work on a Batman thing ever. And and I just, my dreams of working, you know, with Bruce Tam and all that, I just, it was gone because I thought, well, oh well, you know, at least I tried. And then again, now fast forward, I do the Batman. Bruce isn't there, but I got to actually finally see Bruce. Uh, and you know, he doesn't. If he, you guys ever interviewed Bruce or Bruce or heard stories about him, he doesn't really talk to people because he he kind of just makes a beeline to what he's gonna do, and he doesn't do eye contact, and he just does his thing. Because I think what happens that a long time ago, like everybody wanted to talk to him, so he couldn't get anything done. So now he just like does his thing. So and everybody just tells you, just, just leave Bruce alone. And he, <laughs> if he wants to talk to you, he'll talk to you. <laughs> so, uh, so anyways, I, uh, I did, I did the, I did that. I did the, the Batman, which I finally got to do Batman, which was awesome. awesome. Uh, I did, I did the penguin episode, the Mr. Freeze episode, the, the origin yeah. episode of the first season. Um, I did Clue Master, and then at that oh, yeah. point, I got a call from Sony saying, hey, we're going to do Jackie Chan Adventures. We want you to direct, because I was only storyboarding on The Batman. And so I, I then left to go do Jackie Chan Adventures the last season. And while I was there, uh, I got a call from Marvel, Marvel uh, Lionsgate. So Marvel Lionsgate, they had made it, Marvel had made a deal with Lionsgate to produce these directed videos. And uh, I got a call from them, and they're like, hey, we are going to be doing an Iron Man uh direct a video would you like to come over and direct it um or co-direct it because there were i think there were two other directors um and i was like are you kidding me iron man awesome it's marvel and so i i I left went to marvel lionsgate i did invincible iron man i did dr strange for them and then uh i left went to disney and i did of all things my friends tigger and Pooh. Uh, and then (laughs) i went back to marvel and I did Next Avengers, and it was around that time that I got a call from um, I got a call from Joaquin dos Santos, who's actually a good friend of mine. And Joaquin was one of the board artists on no, actually, he was, I think he might have been directing already. He was directing on Justice League Unlimited, and he called me. He's like, "Hey, I, I need I need somebody to do a storyboard for me." So I was like, "Are you kidding me?" So I got to do I did an episode for him because I in my head as I was drawing it, I'm like, "Bruce Tim is gonna see this." Yeah. I have to do a good job. And so I did it and he's like, okay, thanks. I was like, is there anything else? He's like, no, I just needed you to fill in this one slot. So I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> uh, I, and then I, you know, again, I, then I started to, I did next Avengers and then I got called again and there's, and they were like, Hey, Bruce really liked your stuff. Can you do another episode? And I did the flash appreciation day, which is funny. Cause that was, I ended up doing something similar to that more recently. So I did flash appreciation day. And Bruce, uh, from what I heard, really liked it a lot. There weren't very many changes, and it was pretty good. And I think because of that, because the thing is, back at that time, you couldn't get onto a Bruce show 
or production unless he personally approved of you. So when they finally called me and said, hey, we're going to do Batman, I mean, we're going to do Superman Doomsday, and, and they want you to storyboard a section of it, I was like, this is it. Um, I'm, I, you know, yeah. I did Justice League Unlimited. You know, got my feet wet. Hopefully they like it. So now they said that Bruce likes my stuff. I have to knock this out of the park. So, and then they give me the Toy Man sequence. So I did the oh, giant spider with yes. Kevin Smith. You know, he's like he's Kevin Smith. You know, there's a Kevin Smith character, and he's he's like a giant spider. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we remember that one. Yeah, yeah. So, and and you know, prior to that, I had seen that a night with Kevin Smith, and I thought that was hilarious how he talked about the giant spider stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yep. so I I did that scene, you know, where he, he you know he fights the giant spider with Toy Man. I did that. He's like and, lame. <laughs> yep, yep. And the thing is, back then the directed videos for Warner Brothers, it was all freelance, so they didn't really have an in-house crew except for the directors and maybe one or two storyboard artists that they were trying to float around who was free. But before they would go back to the series and stuff like you know Teen Titans or whatever was going on at the time, and so most of us were all freelance artists. So you know I was still either working at Disney or uh, at Marvel doing you know just doing it uh, at night and doing freelance work for, for Warner Brothers. So. I went back to Disney after I did Next Avengers for Marvel, uh, and at the time, I remember they were trying to do a Civil War uh, director video, and I thought this would be awesome, but then because of the rights, it was really hard, and it just kept going back and forth, and I remember they were trying to do, like, we could do a Rocket Raccoon one, and I'm like, no, mind you, Rocket Raccoon now is cool. Back then, I was like, really? In your whole pantheon of characters you want to do a rocket raccoon <laughs> and you know and so you know i was like well what about a thor or you know something like and so they were they were trying to figure out what they want to do eventually they ended up doing planet hulk and thor versus i didn't work on planet hulk but i did work on thor versus uh with sam lu who directed that um but i was at that time i had went back to disney did my friends to and Pooh second season but at that time though uh we were going to do a third season and they canceled the show. And so I gave a call to Bobby Page, who was a line producer over at Warner Brothers Animation, who's a good friend of mine. And she was had she's she was the one who had kind of covered all of the uh directed videos for, you know, uh I think they had done Doomsday, I did Green Lantern First Flight, I did Wonder Woman, uh, at least in storyboarding. And so I gave her a call, I said, Hey, you know, I'm gonna be laid off and know next uh, this week my last week you know is there anything coming up just let me know at warner Bros. and she instantly emailed me and she's like can you start monday and i'm like okay yes. so i went there and and you know god bless her because i mean she really brought me in when i you know at that time i was at an all-time low because i was like there's you know uh there was nothing else out there that i wanted go? to work on and so i uh i went to uh warner brothers and i they, they put me on staff to work on uh, oh, Public Enemies. But at the same time, I was doing, I was, I was already doing freelance for Batman Brave and the Bolt for the first oh, season. Yeah, that was, yeah. that was that. and that was with Brandon Vietti, who's also, yeah. you know, I, I, we had all come up from the ranks from Sony back in the day. And so Brandon was a director on Brandon Brave and the Bold, and I, I was on his team. So uh, when I came in there, I was still finishing up my first season stuff for Brandon, got on Public Enemies, Sam was directing it. And so, you know, at the studio at the time, it was packed the gills with the most talented artists it had you know lauren montgomery had joaquin dos santos had uh, ryu you know all the guys that were basically on avatar were all directors uh sam was there as a director brandon was there as a director so my chances of me finding a director slot there was slim to none because 
they were stacked. You know, I mean, there, there was so much talented artists there uh, that it was it was like amazing. But it was cool. I got to work on really cool stuff. So I did Public Enemies. Uh, I then went to do, geez, what was that? Oh, then that was when the direct-to-video market kind of picked up. And they had ordered, we did uh, Batman Under the Red Hood. Yes. Uh, so here's what's crazy. We did Batman Under the Red Hood, Bat- uh, Batman Superman Apocalypse, and we did uh, the the shorts, you know, the DC Showcase yeah, shorts. Yep. Yeah, yeah. We did those all almost at the same time. So I did, so for example, I, I, I started Batman Under the Red Hood. I did, uh, I read the script and, you know, because Brennan and I, we had known each other and we worked together. Uh, I remember I, I read the script and I loved it. And I, I went to his office and I'm like, hey, have you assigned out any of the sections yet? And he's like, no, not yet. But he's like, but I was thinking of giving you this, the ninja fight, you know, where he, the, the, the ninja fights uh, Batman and the Red Hood. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I was like, can I have the opening? And he's like, why? I was like, I told him like, well, as I read the script in my head, it was like, uh, it was almost like, you know, a Nolan film where I was really shooting the shots. Like I could already wow. see how it was going to be. I, I wanted to, you know, all the beats of it. And and again, I wanted to kill Robin. I mean, it's, it's the most iconic <laughs> part of it. And, uh, and so he's like, okay, I'll give it to you. So I ended up, I got to do that and I got to do the ninja fight afterwards. Um, but so as I was, I was I was doing that they had started apocalypse so what they said they're like hey Jay we need you to just rough this out and then we need you to jump onto apocalypse and do this fight sequence now Lauren Lauren Montgomery and Sam Liu were um directing it and uh and Lauren she went to me and she's like hey um I'm gonna give you a section that I would normally do and I'm like, okay. And so she gave me the girl fight, though, where uh, Wonder Woman fights the Furies. It's Wonder Woman and Bad Barter fighting the Furies. And I was like, thank you, Jesus, because this is awesome. Because prior to that, Lauren had done a sequence, the girl fight episode of Justice League Unlimited, where it was like uh, uh, hot girl. And they're basically in a cage, and they're fighting everybody. And then at the end, Wonder Woman shows up. And I remember, I thought that was fantastic. And I was like, and, I, and the thing is, for me, I'm always like, I want something cool like that. And I, you know, mind you, I do get cool stuff, but girl fights to me are the best ones, you know, because you have a lot of fun with it. And and so after Lauren had done that, I just thought, man, I don't think I'd ever get a chance to do something to even get close to this. And then I get that. And so I so I fit. So I had to do my fight sequence for Under the Red Hood, then switch gears, jump onto Apocalypse, do that huge fight sequence uh and i don't know if you guys know but the way most scripts are written they're not written they don't tell you the fight beats i mean it'll it'll tell you the dialogue it'll say this happens but most of the time it says cool shit happens here or you know know, what is that really on the script page cool shit happens here sometimes sometimes, (laughs) uh, but you know and so the board artists we have to figure out like all the beats you know they're they're the one thing that that you know, because I also teach a class now, but the one thing I teach my students about fight choreography is that it's it's like dance choreography. Like, it's 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 a highly choreographed dance, but what you have to do is there's a story that you have to tell within it. So, I mean, most yeah. people think that it's fight porn, but honestly, if you really look at at least the fight stuff that I do, there's a story. There's a there's a beginning, there's a setup, there's a middle, and there's an end. The middle stuff there's a kind of seesaw battle between who's gonna win, who's gonna lose. 
I try to set up any kind of key points that that that, that is related to the story or or to these characters, like where they are psychologically, whether they're starting to get, whether they're getting hurt along the way, you know. Uh, and then at the end, at least when the battle is finished, it it's in a believable way. So that way, it's a story, you know. But again, most people think it's just fight point. People just hitting each other. It's like no, no, no. There's there's a story there. It may be not. You know, we're not talking as we're fighting, but if you really look at it, I really try to plan my fights that way, and that's you know something that. I always try to do so anyways i i did the the fight sequence there and then at the same time joaquin who was heading up the dc showcase is like hey we need you to do the green arrow episode i mean the green arrow short and i'm like oh good lord so then i had to do green arrow and then as i was doing green arrow they called me back on the red hood i ended up coming back to the red hood because brandon wanted me to do more on the amazo fight so i came back i did the uh, i extended the amazo fight which ended up getting cut and it was really really cool stuff and then and then uh, I went back to Green Arrow, finished Green Arrow, and it was just madness. It was just so busy. And that was when Brandon's like, hey, by the way, Jay, uh, I just, I just, uh, we got a green light to do Young Justice, and I'd like you to be the, you know, one of the, the, direct, the series director on it. So I was like, okay, so now here's my shot to be a director. So I finally get to be a director. So I, I jumped on the Young Justice first season and uh, worked with Brandon. And then uh, halfway through the season, not halfway, actually it was episode 20, ooh, it was 20, I did 21 or 20, it was the one where, I don't know if you guys you saw Young Justice, but. Oh, yeah, oh, we, yes. we, we, watched, we have a <laughs> okay, lot of questions so about So that Young episode Justice. where they go, uh, shoot, it's like, I think with Beast Boy, I think we introduced Beast Boy and they're in like Africa or something like that, or there's like yep. antelopes or uh, whatever episode that is. It's with um, uh, Marina Sirtis as, jeez, uh, what is that episode? Uh, yeah, they're neither. They're not Africa, but I remember there's like wildlife beast boys. We want to introduce beast boys. It's like episode twenty something. So, anyways, it was at that time because I had already started pre-production on episode twenty-three, and I was going to do twenty-five, uh, second to the last episode. And so, um, I got a, I got a call from Bobby, and it, she left a message. Bobby Page, and she's like hey, we need a meeting with you on Friday. I don't remember the date, but I actually have it on my phone. She's like, I need a meeting with you. And then I, I emailed her back. I was like, is this good or bad? And she's like, I, she's like, well, it could be either way, however you take it. And, she starts, and she's like, ha, ha, ha. I'm like, oh, my God, okay, I'm kind of scared here. So, <laughs> I, I, so I go to this meeting on Friday, and Bruce is there. And I'm like, uh, hi, Bruce. And, and so Bobby's like, well, she's like, I don't know if you know this, but Lauren is leaving to do uh, Avatar, you know, because Joaquin and Ryu had already left uh, prior a couple months ago to start up to start up Legend of Korra. And, and, and then they offered Lauren a position there. And so Lauren decided to take it, but she wasn't going to leave. Uh, this was like February. She wasn't going to leave until June. So, and, and Dark Knight Returns was going to start, I believe in May, April or May. So anyways, they're, they're like, um, and we'd like you to uh, direct it. Now, prior to this conversation, we had, they had already greenlit the Dark Knight Returns and I was ecstatic. Oh, and so I called up Laura, I went to Lauren's office and, um, cause I knew she was going to direct it. And I was like, Hey, um, if you need me, I'd love to work on this. And so, you know, Lauren, Lauren, you know, she's a good friend of mine. She's like, yeah, she's like, I, you were first on my list. And so I told her, well, uh, have you assigned any of the sections out? And she's like, well, we just got the script. And uh, she's like, is there any particular sequence that you want? And I'm like, I want to do the Joker death sequence. I mean, you know, I want to do yes. that where he breaks his neck. And so Lauren's like, oh, that's in the second movie. I'm like, second movie? He's like, yeah, we're going to do a two-parter. And I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, 
And then they're like, well, and she's like, I'm like, so the first movie is going to have the mud pit and all that stuff. And mind you, I love that Legends of the Dark Knight episode of, of uh, Batman the Animated Series. And uh, I thought that was, you know, that was the shit. We so, love the animated series and, here. Yeah. And so and prior to doing Dark Knight Returns, I had worked on year one. I did year one while I was doing um, uh, Young Justice. And I only could do a little section, but I did the sequence where Jim Gordon gets jumped in the uh uh in the parking lot uh-huh. by flash yeah it was flash and then and then he ends up beating up flash and you know he throws in the baseball bat beats the shit out of him and then leaves yes. him naked on the side of the road yeah. <laughs> so i did all that sequence and i remember watching the the premiere like we, we did an employee screening and i was like oh i was i thought it was fantastic because i love Masticelli's designs and you know it was it's one of my favorite ones and, but I was sad because I could I only did such a little part of such an iconic you know story right, and so when Lawrence and when I found out they're gonna do Dark Knight Returns and 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 I was gonna you know store bar, I wanted something beefy like I I was like I don't care I'm not gonna sleep I am I'm gonna knock this bad boy out of the park, uh, and so uh, I I asked her okay can I have the mutant leader fight and and so she you know they sent me the script uh, I looked at it I'm like okay. Can I do, I told her, can I do the first fight and then the end fight? You know, like the first time Batman fights the mutant leader and then the the fight in the mud pit. Because I told her, um, I want to do a thing where Batman does some, like the way he fights the mutant leader in the mud pit. I mean, in, in the uh, in the first fight, I want, like he gets he gets his ass handed to him. Yeah. But I want that when he gets to the mud pit that he's learned from his mistakes earlier and 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 kind of and the way he fights him how to like correct his style yeah smart about it and and so you know because of that though my section was like 14 pages long i mean normal (laughs) an average section is about eight pages eight to ten pages but i remember it was really long but i wanted it because again i wanted a big chunk of this of this movie because you know it's dark knight returns right uh and uh, anyways, and so I'm in this meeting with Bruce. They tell me that Lauren's leaving, and I'm like, oh, man. And in my mind, I'm like, I wonder if they're going to get to direct it. Maybe Sam, maybe Brandon, whatever. And they're like, uh, and, and and Bobby looks at me, and she's like, and Bruce wants you to direct it. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> and so I was, like, ecstatic. And, of course, and, you know, I remember, doing the DTVs at Warner Brothers Animation is probably one of the best gigs you know, uh, at the studio because, you know, we have a little bit, we have a longer schedule. Um, you know, we usually get some pretty good, some of the top animation studios to animate it. And, uh, you know, we get stunt casting. So it's, it's nice. It was great. You know, it was a great opportunity. And, uh, and so of course I took it. And I remember I was driving home from, from work. I had the biggest grin on my face and thinking to myself, Oh my God, this is the most awesome thing. And then I realized, Holy shit, I'm going to be translating, you know, uh, you know, Dark Knight Returns History. to Spain, you know, and uh, and it was a little daunting. But I, I, the thing is, I just I just told myself, okay, you know what? Instead of doing a literal adaptation of what they did with uh, Dark, uh, with uh, Year One, because Year One they couldn't deviate from the from the comic at all, because Bruce was like, we want to honor this as much as possible and do a direct adaptation. And I thought that's great, you know, I mean, that, that Bruce's call. Um, but with Dark Knight Returns, because it's not as tight, because when you look at Frank Brothers' drawings, I mean, it's up to a lot of interpretation. Like, mm-hmm, for example, definitely. we had tons of meetings where we would be like, what's happening in this panel? So, like, there's a, there's a, there's a scene right before the bat crashes through the window. Is it before or after? 
No, no, it's yeah, it's it's it's, a, it's before the window scene, but it's after he starts uh, seeing the death of his parents or whatever, having uh-huh. his flashbacks. Mm-hmm. But there's a scene where he's standing in the rain. Is it in the rain or is he in the shower? You know, because there's a shot he's just naked and there's like, you know, water hitting him. And we had a meeting. We're all talking about like, is he in the shower? Is he? and I'm like, I don't know. That feels weird. That after he sees the death of his parents, he's like feels dirty and, <laughs> and he's in the shower. Because when then one person pointed out, one of the artists there was like, well, in his hand it looks like he's got a bar of soap because it's like fizzy or whatever. And I'm like, I don't know if that's. I think that's just rainwater, or I think that's just the rain hitting him, or he's just standing out in the rain or something. So there's stuff like that that I'm like. I don't know. I think we need to, a lot of this needs to just be interpreted and, you know, and, and, you know, as a director, you have to take some artistic license and just, you know, make an adaptation the way you, you, you know, you see fit and hell, I mean, even if Frank Miller had done an adaptation of the Dark Knight Returns, it'll, it might be different than what most people think anyway. So did, what he, I ever see, was, did he ever see the Dark Knight Returns? Do you know if he ever, I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, I, I, I I'd be curious to see what he thinks. Um, yeah. At the same time, I'd be terrified. Right. I hope he, like, I mean, I mean, I think I did this. I said this in a lot of my interviews in the past. Is that like, you know, I wasn't trying to do an exact adaptation to it because, I mean, hell, only Frank could really do that. So right. what I try to do is do my what I when I first read The Dark Knight Returns, I was ten years old. 10 or 11 uh, when it first came out and it blew my mind because remember prior to that I had just seen uh, Dark Knight I mean I had just seen I had just seen Batman as Superman I mean as Super Friends and as uh, Adam West so yeah. in my mind he was just uh, what do you call it character. he was just yeah he was that he was he was Sherlock Holmes in a bat outfit that's how real uh, campy yeah and then when I started collecting comics I started getting introduced to the Denny O'Neill style and all that and and it was around that time that when the Dark Knight Returns came out and I and I got to see you know a dark gritty Batman it blew my mind and around that same time a little bit a couple years later 89 Batman came out and and then of course a few years after that Batman the Animated Series mm-hmm. and so I had just fallen in love with Batman at that point and so when I was doing Dark Knight Returns, you know, I always tell people this. It's, it's kind of like my love letter to uh, to Batman and the Dark Knight Returns, all the things that I loved about it and how, you know, to me, what I put on the screen, what you guys saw is what I saw in my head as an 11-year-old kid, you know, and 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 what I wanted to see. And, and that's why the scene with Joker fighting um, Batman, you know, Sam Liu, who, who storyboarded, on that, I, one of the things I told him was, I told him like, this is the scene that I want to do myself. But I was like, but I can't because I'm directing it and, and I'm working on these other sequences. Uh, and I told him, uh, I'm going. I, I want there's there's two things I want. Number one, I want I want Joker to be on a killing spree. Like he hasn't killed anybody for like ten years or however years. So he is like a fat kid at a buffet. Like he <laughs> is just, and so I wanted him to candy store. just you know, indiscriminately shoot people. Mind you, in today's day and age, it's a little taboo because of all of our shootings. But I just thought, well, this is the Joker. And in, this, in the comic, that's what that's he's what doing. he does, yeah. Uh, and so, uh, and then, of course, it has to end in the tunnel of love. And, but I wanted it in the comic. It's just black. But I was like, no, no, no. I want to have, like, he, I want him to be surrounded by cherubs and red lighting and hearts. And it's kind of like this, you know, uh, it's, it's Joker's final hurrah. And their battle in the tunnel of love, I thought it's very appropriate. And and one of the things I told Sam that I definitely want is that as suit as, as I mean as as 
Batman is is squeezing Joker's throat. I want Joker to continue just shiving him. Just keep that shiving like going on, you know, just in the same spot, you know. And Sam's like, are you, are you sure you want it? I was like, yeah, yeah. I want that. <laughs> Every scene of that ending is just incredible. Yeah, just, yeah. Oh. So, so that's why, um, you know, uh, for The Dark Knight Returns, I ended up d- still doing the mutant leader fight in episode, I mean, in the first part. I did that myself because when we were assigning, I was assigning out um, sections, uh, the that sequence i was like you know what the only person i I, the only way i can see it is if i did it myself so i ended up doing that all myself i did those as as well as uh doing um my directing duties and here's another funny story so i know i'm talking all this whole time so again you have dialogue if you have any questions so (laughs) so so what happened was um uh shoot i was doing dark knight returns uh no, no no i'm sorry i was doing i was doing young justice and Bobby Page sends me an email. She's like, hey, uh, do you happen to know who Blur is? And I'm like, Blur Studios? And I'm like, and they're like, yeah, they're like, you know, Tim Miller's over there. And, he, you know, uh, he's looking for some help. So I was like, Tim Miller, are you kidding? I had actually applied to Blur a couple years prior to going to Warner Brothers. And I had 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 kind of email conversation with Tim because he wanted to hire me to, to you know, be the storyboard artist. But they ended up going with somebody else. And, you know, never went anywhere. So I then contact Blur. And so I ended up doing some, um, uh, I, I did some E3 uh, video game cinematics for them. Uh, and then I, and I think that I did that like February. Yeah, it might have been like February, around the same time that uh, I got I, I got called to do Dark Knight Returns. So I was. I remember we had started Dark Knight Returns like in April, and we were already prepping, and we were into storyboarding. And I got a call from from Tim Miller, and Tim, and, and I don't know if you guys remember this. Tim Miller is the director of Deadpool, which is coming out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So so, anyways, Tim gives me a call, and he's like, he's like, hey Jay, you know, I forgot that you were up for a position here at Warner at, at, at Blur, and I started laughing. I'm like, yeah, I didn't want to bring it up. I just thought it was a little weird. Uh, and so I thought he was going to give me any notes of you know the stuff I had just turned in for them. And he's like, hey, I got a call from Zack Snyder's office. Uh-oh. They're looking for a storyboard artist. And he's like, and we can do uh, action adventure. And he's like, I, I, I think you can tell, you can guess what movie it's going to be. And he's like, uh, and I want to recommend you to him, you know, uh, if that's cool with you, if I can send you his, <laughs> you know, if I can send him your reference. I was, and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I was like, you send that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> anyways and so he sends it and i get off the phone and my hands shaking and i'm like no no no. i was like be cool be cool and i was like i'm not gonna i'm not going to you know think about it i'm not gonna jinx it i'm not gonna I'm just let's see where it goes right and then so uh a week later i get a call uh from zach snyder's assistant they're like hey zach uh, wants to meet you um can you can you come by i'm like oh okay and so I, uh, I drive over there and, uh, they give me, uh, they go meet him and, uh, I'm a little late cause I'm hit, I hit a lot of traffic. I'm a little freaking out cause I don't know if Zach's the kind of director, like if you're a minute late, you're fired. Uh, so I walk in there and, and there's, he's already in a meeting talking to some uh, other guys who I thought were other storyboard artists. You're like, and so I, lo- I lost it. 
Yeah, and so Zach sees me. He tells the guys at the table. He's like, "Okay, hey, we'll we'll meet a little later." And they they leave, and I'm just me and Zach. And and uh, and Zach comes up to me. Hey, I'm Zach Sinus. That shakes my hand. I'm like, "Yeah, I know who you are." And so he's like, "Have you read the script?" I'm like, "I have no nothing, right?" Because I just got there cold. And he's like, "Okay." So this I tell this story all the time, and I I, I think I was either high smoking on something because if i tell this story i would think that i was on some kind of drug so what happens is that uh i'm at zach's uh, offices and zach then he takes me around the office with all all the concept art for man of steel is, ha is hanging all around the office right all, in different rooms different offices and zach proceeds to pitch me the entire movie of man of steel to me just me. He's like, this happens and this, and he's like saying some of the dialogue, and he goes this, and he kind of jumps around, and uh, and I'm like in my head, I'm like, this is fucking amazing. I got Zack Snyder just pitching me the movie. Oh, amazing is this? And so at the end of the at the end of going through it all, he looks at me. He's like, what do you think? And I'm like, I was like, this is awesome. And I'm like, is there a script? And he's like, well, there's one script, and it's in a vault at Warner Brothers. Uh, and he's like, but if you want to check it out, um, I'll arrange for you to go read it. And so I'm like, oh, okay. And he's like, are you on board? And I'm like, hell yeah. And, uh, <laughs> now, mind you, I was already directing on, I'm, I was still on Dark Knight Returns and I was still on part one. And I'm like, oh shit, how am I going to get this done? And so um, I ended up just sucking it up and just doing it and and so i went to warner brothers on monday read they they had to like take my phone lock me in a room bring out this script that was printed on like red paper so you couldn't xerox it or whatnot and i read the one script that nolan and goyer had wrote for nice. the early draft and i read it and i was like wow okay it's cool. like, you know now remember mind you just like everybody else i had all my own you know uh, trepidations about you know the reboot because in my head i was like Prior to meeting with Zach, even before I knew they were new Man of right when they announced Man of Steel, I just thought, oh, I do not want to see you know him in Smallville again and him running through cornfields and that because I mean we all saw that in the Donner film, we saw that in Smallville and and I just didn't want to see the same beats over and over, just like with Spider-Man. Like I don't with the reboot, I don't need to see Uncle Ben die again right. and do all that. <laughs> so so when I read the script, I was like, oh. I see where they're going. I was like, that's kind of cool because I like the fact that they jump back and forth from uh, flashbacks to present to flashbacks. You know, I, I dig that because to me, I call it the Highlander type of storytelling where it goes back and forth from the past to the present. And, and I, I like that. And I, I dig it. it. It's 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 very, um, you know, different than most of the comic book movies that you see, uh, you know, at that time. Um, and I liked it. You know, mind you, I remember I had... I had worked on Doomsday, Superman Doomsday, around the same time Superman Returns came out. So I was watching the Donner films over and over again while I was working on my session for Doomsday. So when Returns came out, I was really disappointed because it felt like it was the same movie because it was had the same dialogue. You know, there was a lot of things that I didn't that didn't really gel well, at least with the with the Christopher Reeve version of Superman. That you know, I really didn't think Singer really hit it uh, the way it needed to be. Whereas on this one. Even though that they weren't trying to be uh, Christopher Reeve style, I like I like the update to it. I like the fact that it was like, what if Superman appeared today in our world, you know? And also like, what would it would be like, you know, during you know when you know when uh, Superman's fighting Zod, 
uh, you know, what that would be like, you know, Dragon Ball Z style, like, you know, re, re, and also I like the sci-fi spin to it, the fact that it's more of a science fiction film than, you know, a hardcore, pure, just comic book film, you know, and, and I like that, like, it was a different take, you know, um, and so, you know, I jumped on board, did that, and, and so I had to go to Chicago, so I had finished Dark Knight 1, at least in terms of storyboarding, Dark Knight 2 was already started storyboarding, um, and and then I had to go to Chicago. Zach's like, hey, I'm going to Chicago. Uh, you should come out. And I'm like, how long do you need me? He's like, oh, a week. So I thought, okay, a week's not too bad. I get a call the next day. And they're like, okay, so uh, we're going to put you up in a hotel. You're going to be there for about three months. I'm like, three months? <laughs> <laughs> and so I had to go to my, I had to go back to Warner Bros. Animation. I was like, um, guys, I'm going to be there for three months. And now, mind you, I had a, I'm already deep into Dark Knight 2 already, right? Which is why I didn't end up storyboarding the joker fight but um but i was like you know i don't know if we have time to find somebody new but i really think i can do this because i did part one work you know already working on on man of steel and doing all this stuff so i think i can handle it so they're like i mean god bless them they're like okay we'll uh we'll give it a shot so i ended up going to Chicago and what I would do is I would check in my with my crew back in here in LA and then I would then work with Zach and we we did the well when I was in Chicago because the first sequence I did for Zach when I was still here in LA I did all the Smallville sequences when they were fighting in Smallville mm-hmm. um I did those sequences I then I did the sequence where uh they go up to the Black Zero and and uh they're captured and Superman breaks free and then he falls out the window and and, and goes to save Lois and then Lois and him have that I think they kiss or whatever they and when the, the pod crashes into the the cornfield I yeah, did that but when we but when we got to Chicago I had the the act three sequence i basically did a lot almost all of it where um the act three that was originally written i think they were going to oh it was almost like the end of avengers where uh they fire a nuclear warhead at the black zero and then the black zero does something and then the warhead like kind of has no effect and so they have to send in uh they they come up with that idea of like you know let's let's drop the uh the ship and we'll use the phantom drive to kind of create a black hole and, and suck it all in. So those are the kind of, that was originally in the script, but then we started talking about it. And so uh, they mixed the idea of the, the nuclear warhead and they were good. Or then they were going to have a uh, nuclear warhead. They, yeah. There was supposed to be a nuclear warhead that was supposed to be fired at them. So they, they mixed that idea and then they were like, well, we'll have like offshore battleships that, blast you know metropolis i mean they blast uh the the black zero with you know cannon fire and you know uh tomahawk missiles and stuff like that so we were going to do that and then that got mixed i was excited about that i was like oh that's kind of cool but the only problem though is that like from the time the black zero shows up and realistically like how how fast can that fleet move to get into that position and then do that so we were like oh okay that doesn't quite work so then i threw out the idea because i loved independence day as bad as that film is but i'm like you know if uh, if an alien ship did show up, they would scramble F-22s, uh, you know, and, and the Air Force would be able to get there first, you know. So uh, and, and plus they were planning on just they were still have, wanting to do the C-17 thing. And I just thought, well, a single C-17. So you, I was like, so the only way that you can save the city is by having this one phantom drive thing. But you're not going to have a fighter escort. You're just going to have to fly it in. And so I was like, I threw it out there. I pitched the idea. I was like, hey, Zach, why don't we do a whole wave of 
you know, F-22s and, and, but let's set it up that the Black Zero has, you know, jamming capabilities that when they fire their, uh, uh, the missiles, they all go haywire. And I told him by, by doing it this way, we can destroy more of the city. We can set up the fact that, uh, that it's important that there's no way they can get to the Black Zero until uh, Superman destroys the uh, the World Engine, which is on the other side of the Earth. Um, which is why a lot of the people who complain about the movie, they're like, well, "Why doesn't Superman go against the Black Zero?" Well, because they can destroy the Black Zero, but then the Earth would still be terraformed by the World Engine. So Superman, so they had to plan- come up with a two-prong attack, which is where you know the humans, you know, everybody had to attack the, the Black Zero while Superman and, and do a two-prong attack. And I always like that kind of stuff in, in, in action sequences where everybody has a purpose. So, for example, in Batman versus Robin, uh, Alfred wasn't in in the end fight. And I just thought, we're in the Batcave, we're in Wayne Manor. Why shouldn't Alfred be in here, you know? Yeah. And so, and I wanted everybody to have their, their, their purpose, you know, like... Uh, Dick was there to cover Batman's back. You know, Damien wasn't there because he was captured. And then Alfred, he had a, he had to go down to the Batcave and basically turn on the uh, the gas, the free on gas to freeze all of the uh, Court of Owl guys. And I like that synergy because you know, I mean, Batman is awesome, but he can't do it all. And I, right. I, whenever I do my films, I like to make it so that he has a purpose. Now Batman's still badass, but I like to make it so that. Everybody has a purpose for the ultimate goal. Uh, I think it's, it's most kind of shown in like uh, Justice League War at the very end when they when they are able finally to put Darkseid through the portal. Through the portal I yeah. had everybody do everything. Like Green Lantern does something, Batman, they, Wonder Woman, yeah. every. So that way it feels like it's not just one guy who did it. They finally uh, achieved like that teamwork goal. Exactly. And that's where like doing like the Justice League films or team kind of stuff where you have to find when you do fight sequences, you have to juggle uh, that, that, you know, and, and you have to make sure that each character has a cool moment because, you know, everybody has a fan. Like some people love Cyborg. So make sure Cyborg's got something and uh-huh. Flash and all these guys. So you have to kind of honor that. Uh, and so anyway, so that's that's kind of how I, uh, I went about like doing Man of Steel. And then that just and then after doing Man of Steel, basically just kind of open the floodgates to uh batman versus superman <laughs> yeah so it opened it actually opened my almost what i call my second career because uh, like i said prior to me getting to warner brothers back in 2009 um you know I, I, at that point i think i was a pretty good story a pretty good storyboard as a director i was maybe one of the top guys um but i, I was kind of restless because yeah. you know it, there's only so much that we can do in kids television you know mm-hmm. and and the director videos was a nice outlet but it but but even then, we are constrained with a lot of different things. Uh, doing Man of Steel was, was was a great opportunity. I learned a lot. Uh, I got to see how movies were made, uh, at least from, you know, Zach, you know, just looking over Zach's shoulder. And I realized, you know, what Zach does on set and what I do, you know, at the studio is very similar. It's just, you know, you as a director, you have to have, you have to be able to make decisions, be able to work with other people and know what you want. You know, and so I thought, oh, this is great. You know, let me let me look into this. So because of that, um, I tried to push all of my films after that. So after Dark Knight Returns, I did Flashpoint, the uh, Flashpoint uh, just like Flashpoint Paradox, mm-hmm. and that was the one um, where I told my crew, I was like, okay, guys, um, this is the only time Flash is going to be get it was was given a lead role, and you know, I love Flash and and. And I told him, like, I want to do 
something different in this movie. I want to do things with Flash that I have never seen before. And if the live-action guys ever do a live-action version of Flash, I want them to look at this movie and use this as reference. And so we did the Flashpoint Paradox, and we, I just tried to do as much over-the-top stuff and, you know, push the drama and so even cool. the signs. And, you know, we just had fun with it. And that was, with, that was the first time I with it. Yeah, and that was the first time I got to work with James Tucker because after Dark Knight Returns, by, by the time Dark Knight Returns came about, Bruce was thinking about taking a little break. It, you know, the the rumor was that he was leaving Warner Brothers, but he wasn't. He just wanted to take a break because he had, you know, he basically worked at Warner Brothers doing superhero stuff for how many years? So he was getting a little, you know, just a little tired, and he just needed a little break to just kind of recharge. And so they brought in James Tucker to then take over the DTVs and also gave him the mandate that we want to kind of do a reboot so to speak not like a new 52 reboot but with the comic books but do something to kind of you know come up with something new for for you know while bruce is gone and so we did jeff johns wanted to do of course flashpoint paradox because that's his baby and and so we did it and because of that then they were like well let's 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 do let's do a, a real reboot of it and do you know we start with just the war which we translated, you know, the Jeff Johns, Jim Lee comic. And that was supposed to lay the groundwork to do a series of movies that were all interconnected like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, I mean, that's why when you guys see these films, they are connected, at least when they have the same actors. So whenever you see Jason O'Mara as Batman, that's because he's the Batman in this universe, you know. Okay, right. uh, Superman kind of changes every now and then because uh, sometimes we can't get the actors we need. But but if you can see Jason in, in the title, it's in the same continuity. So Justice League War, Throne of Atlantis, uh, Son of Batman, uh, Batman vs. Robin, Batman Bad Blood, um, those are all in continuity. Awesome. Uh, you know, and then we have and then what happens is we have these one-offs. So like for example, Bruce, you know, uh, he he got his recharge, got his groove back, and so that's why he did Gods and Monsters. That's a you know, it's a one-off thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, and then, you know, uh, Batman Assault on Arkham was one that they approached us, and the video game guys were like, hey, we want to do this, and so we did that, and that's just a one-off, too. But, you know, I love that one. That was one of my favorite ones was Assault on Arkham. It's a great uh, film. And so that leads us to, you know, all of these other um, – they're all in series. And so it, within the last five years, you know, uh, on the live-action front, I did uh, Man of Steel. Then I got a call to do 300 Rise of the Empire. Yes. And and then it was then on 300 Rise of the Empire that when they called me, they're like, hey, Zack Snyder recommended you. We want to hire you for storyboards. I'm like, great. And so we were negotiating uh, you know, my, my price, and I told them, okay, well, I'll do it for this much, but I need you to get me into the Art Directors Guild. So the reason why I'm not credited on Man of Steel for storyboards is because I'm not part of the union. And so they had to kind of work around to hire me through a VFX studio in order for me to even work on it. But Zack wanted me to work on it, but I couldn't. I couldn't get into the union because it's that whole catch 22. You need to have hours to get into the union. But if you're not in the union, then how do you get hired? So, so anyways, I, uh, on rise of the empire, I made it part of my deal. I was like, get me into the art director's guild. And, and so now I got into the art director's guild. I'm legit. So, mm -hmm. um, and because of that, I was able to work on all these other films. So I got to work on, for example, I got to work on, Oh, Tim Miller called me and said, Hey, I'm doing Deadpool. I'm like, are you kidding? That's awesome. So I got to work on Deadpool. So you'll see my, my stuff on Deadpool. I did the ending of the movie, which if the, if the, if the ending is anything that what Tim told me what he wanted, it's going to be awesome. Um, and there's a lot, it's, it's funny. There's, it's the most violent thing I've ever worked on. I think. 
so I worked on Deadpool, and then I worked on um, I worked on uh, Ant Man. I did Ant Man, so I finally yes. got the cin- Marvel Cinematic Universe. Did Ant Man, and then I also did Wonder Woman. So Wonder Woman's coming up, Uh-oh. and then. And I also worked on Batman v Superman. I was there. I was in Detroit for eight months working on that. Awesome. Uh, and then have you seen I, that film yet? No, I haven't seen it. So you know that that, that latest trailer that you guys just saw, where where Superman, where Batman is on the Batmobile and he comes around a corner and he sees Superman, and he just crashes into Superman. And, yeah. And, so I did that. I did that. Oh, that's part, dude, that's so great. That, that's part of the sequence. So I did I did uh, the introduction of the Batmobile. So basically that whole sequence I did, that's one of the big sequences that I did in the movie, and I'm really proud of it. It's some really cool stuff. It looked incredible. Yeah, so I did that. Let's see, Ant-Man. And then I worked on um, – shoot, I'm missing something. Oh, uh, and I just finished up on Thor 3. So, um, oh, wow. Thor Ragnarok or however yeah, you pronounce Ragnarok. it. So, uh, so again, I got to – I get. I'm get, I mean, the nice thing is I'm getting to work on these really high-profile uh, – projects you know and it just helps that you know i'm the guy who worked on you know man of steel and that really opened the doors you know to to work on these other things because you know i i I told zach whenever you want me just let me know i mean uh i'll i'll always make room and and free up time for you so you know until justice league starts you know i'm kind of just waiting (laughs) (laughs) so you're just waiting to hear from him about justice league then yeah, I mean, I'm hoping because you know it, it's kind of like I, I for for Batman v Superman. So here's here's another story. So I I I had just I had started uh, Batman versus no no uh, which is the one no I had I had just started Assault on Arkham right. Okay. So I was working on Assault on Arkham, and uh, and that's when I get a call from. Uh, uh, Sam Register, who's the the head of, he's a president of Warner Bros. Animation. He's like, hey, Zack Snyder wants to do a short, and yep. he wants you to, you know, be on it. So, and and prior to this, when I was on uh, Man of Steel, I kept telling Zack, Zack, if you ever want anything animated, because I saw in Watchmen they did that whole uh, black freighter thing, which yep, was right, all kind yep. of animated. And I told him, if you ever want that. Let me know because I'm a director at you know I'm a director at Warner Brothers Animation because he didn't even know I was doing the superhero stuff until like months later, you know. And I told him like I do all the superhero stuff. I mean, again, he hired me because of the recommendation of Tim Miller. But anyways, um, I, I told Zach if you ever want to do anything animated, let me know. Uh, and so he Zach wanted to do a 75th anniversary animated short for Superman. And so they gave me a call like, hey, we want you to work on this. And I'm like, well, I'm doing our assault on Arkham. They're like, well. You know, we want you to do this, so you have to hand this off to Ethan to kind of oversee. And I'm like, well, I want to come back. It's still my baby, right? He's like, no, no, well, Ethan will look after it for the month that you're going to be gone because we're still just doing designs at that point. He's like, but we need you. We really need you on this 100% of the time. So, okay. So then I I got onto it. I uh, And I did the Superman 75th anniversary short. and, And I remember meeting Zach meeting with Zach and they had already announced Batman v Superman or at least Man of Steel 2 and then Zach showed me some of the storyboards he was doing and and he showed me some of the Dark Knight Returns kind of stuff uh, and I'm like is he doing a Dark Knight Returns kind of thing? He's like no we're not doing it but there are some elements because like, you showed me the bat, bat armor I'm like oh that's so cool in my mind no actually in my heart I was dying a little because I'm like why don't you call me I want to work on this <laughs> and this is in April right or April Mayish. So, anyways, I, I I finished the short. You guys saw it. We ended, and oh, I came yeah. back to Assault on Arkham. Finished Assault on Arkham, and then it wasn't until September October that I was 
just waiting for Zach to call me. I was like, is he going to call me? And I, I tell people, like, it's almost like I was a, a girl waiting for her prom date. Like, I bought the dress. I didn't have a date, but I was hoping that the cute boy in school would call me so I could go on the go to prom. And I'm just like, if Zach calls me, it's cool. If he doesn't, it's okay. You know, and then when I finally get a call, I was like, thank you, God. I'm, I get to finally work on this. And so I, uh, I jumped on board and I remember uh, I worked on it in October and I had to fly to Detroit on Thanksgiving. And I was in Detroit from Thanksgiving till the following June. And wow. that was a long, long stint. But it was cool. I mean, uh, I got to work on that. And, uh, and that was... It's gonna be a big. It's gonna be a big film. I mean, imagine, I'm curious please. to see. I'm curious to see how much, uh, how much they're able to get in there. I mean, that's why when the whole when they showed, um, you know, a lot of the the clips, you know, the recent clips, I was like, oh wow, I didn't know they would show that. Or oh, that's cool. That you know, you're talking about like Doomsday. Are you, are you talking about Doomsday there? Uh, maybe I don't. I can't confirm or deny who that character is. <laughs> Understandable. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, go ahead, man. Uh, I, I have a question about Young Justice. Can you talk about like the, the what happened? Like, because everyone talks about how much they love Young Justice, yeah. how much they want to have like it revived on Netflix or just any yeah. on Cartoon Network, or like I have people people like saying, why is there not like a Young Justice animated film? What's like? Why was that sh amazing show canceled? Do you know like the big? Oh, uh, it, it's it's uh, there's quite a few reasons. Um, the main reason was because um, the toys weren't selling. Um, remember, Young Justice was was pitched as a kind of a vehicle to introduce a new line of toys. Because prior to that, you know, the DC toys were all like the Justice League Unlimited stuff, and even and then at the time I think also Brave and the Bold. Those were the two DC related uh, toys that I think it was it Mattel that was making it. So, anyways, they wanted to do kind of this new thing, but they didn't because they have you know they have shelves and shelves full of Bruce Timm designs and also the Brave and the Bold stuff. So they want something new, and so you know Phil Barassa and, and uh, uh, Brandon they came together, and Greg Wiseman kind of developed Young Justice. You know Phil did the look, they developed kind of the pitch of how they wanted to do it, and uh, uh, and so they. They, 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 they pitched it to the toy company. The toy company's like, hey, we're interested. Then they pitched it, I believe, to Cartoon Network. And Cartoon Network was like, well, since you have, you know, uh, Mattel interested, we'll, we'll, we'll air it. Now, here's the thing is that Warner Brothers Animation, we don't fork up the, the bill for it 100%. You know, mm -hmm. uh, so in, in a production like this, you know, for example, again, I don't know the numbers. This is just me speculating. But I believe like 30%. The budget was split up three ways between Warner Brothers Animation, uh, the Mattel, and then Cartoon Network. So we, we split up three ways. Uh, when the show didn't really – well, when the toys didn't sell that Christmas, because I remember – I think we aired – did we air like Thanksgiving or something? I don't remember. But, but anyways, the toys came out. They didn't really sell too well. Uh, I think that might have been also the same time the Green Lantern, the movie toys showed up as well. So oh. like, I think there was like just a lot of just toys on the shelf that, that wasn't really moving. And so because of that, and also, and so Mattel's like, well, we're going to pull out. And then Cartoon Network's like, well, because, you know, we're not going to fork up more money, so we're going to pull out too. So all that was left, only people that wanted to really make the show was just Warner Brothers Animation. 
but we couldn't do it ourselves because we didn't have any, we don't have our own network. We can't, you know, where are we going to show it? I mean, nowadays with today, you know, with Netflix and Amazon, I think we could have probably, you know, uh, you know, had it shown there. But at that time, you know, those things hadn't gotten really big yet. And yeah. so, yeah, it got canceled because of that. We knew, we knew that it was going to get canceled into the second season. Like, remember, I left, I left Young Justice uh, around episode 25 uh, to do Dark Knight Returns. So they were already thinking about writing the second season. And then once we finished that first season and they were already ramping up the second season, they had already had inklings that, that they were going to be canceled. So that's why they kind of made an arc that kind of had an ending, but still kind of left it open. Because again, with animation, you never know anything can happen. Because hell, Futurama came back and Family right. Guy. So yeah. Brennan and Greg wanted to still have a way to come back into the universe if you know, at a future junction, they decide to bring it back. But from my understanding, they like they already knew that this was going to be the the swan song that second season. So they were trying to put as much stuff as they can into it and do the time jump. But time jump was something that they always that they were planning on doing. Wow. So, do you prefer doing films like uh, Justice League, where you have like the entire universe at your disposal, you can tell a bunch of different stories, or do you prefer like your just staying in Gotham, like your Batman stories? Uh, I, you know, for me, it's more of it depends on the storyline. I mean, I'm more concerned with like the character arcs. If there's anything, you know, usually death of characters, I love to do because uh -huh. I really want to play up that emotion of that stuff. Awesome. Um, you know, like for example, Gotham got gaslight was something I'd love to do. I don't know if we're ever going to do it, but I'd love to do that, you know, that kind of storyline. Yeah. But, but then again, I've done a ton of Batman, but I'm not batman out. For me, it's more like if there's a personal story, like Flashpoint I really attached to because I liked I liked the fact that we had a character here who his mother was killed and kind of carried this guilt along his whole way. I mean, if you watch, if you watch that opening, he feels like he wasn't fast enough. He had just run... If he had just run a little faster at the beginning mm -hmm. instead of just kind of just having fun before he got home, he keeps thinking like maybe he could have been there before his mom died or maybe he could have helped change something. And I like that. And I, and I like that about at least this version of Flash and and to kind of, uh, you know, play with that. And so whenever I have whenever I do these movies, I always try to find something along those lines, whether it's a Justice League movie or Batman or Superman. Uh, I like, you know, the character moments. Uh, the Justice League ones are a little tough because, like I said, you have to juggle uh, multiple characters. But there's always a main protagonist that you have to follow, and it's and it's his story. So, for example, like even Justice League War, the main protagonist for that was Cyborg. It's Cyborg's origin story. Yes. And we follow him, and through Cyborg's eyes, we are introduced to all of the other Justice League members, and you know, and that works. You know, I, I, I mean, one of the things I'd love to do is I'd love to do a Wonder Woman animated film again. Oh yeah. You know, Lauren, I think Lauren's Wonder Woman film was awesome, but, you know, whenever, I, it's funny, I always read the forums, or I read whenever, you know, we announce a new new batch of films, and I always, of course, there's people, oh, they're doing another Batman film, oh, yawn, you know, why don't they do whatever, and I'm like, okay, well, this is what happened, we did Wonder Woman, right, and it was, the, like, the highest pirated, like, uh, uh, movie of that time, and when the movie came out, nobody bought it because everybody watched it. I mean, it's, it's a fantastic film. It's, it's amazing. I, I, I was, I'm very fortunate I was a part of it. But because of that, it killed Wonder Woman because the, you know, the execs, the people who have money said, well, nobody's buying Wonder Woman. Why are we going to fork up how many millions of dollars to make this when nobody's going to buy it? Right. So Batman, 
you know, you have the live action films, you have Batman's always going to sell well. So if you, you know, I tell people this, if you had a million dollars to invest, are you going to invest on Batman or Booster Gold? You know, right. I love Booster yeah. Gold, but do you really think you're going to make your money back? Or remember, you're just not making your money back. You, you want your million dollars to give you back. 20 million dollars you know exactly. like you want that kind of investment and these films basically are made to they're for the fans number one but they have to they have to make money in order for us to continue making them so if any of these films bomb really badly then guess what we stop making them you know and, and we've been very fortunate that we've had a pretty good run i mean there are some that you know could have been better there's some that are fantastic but you know, look at it from the t- from the time we started with Doomsday to now. I think we've done about twenty, shoot, twenty something films. Um, uh, I'm actually gonna be doing my tenth film this year, so wow. I've done nine for for Warner Brothers Animation from the time that I started. Is it another uh, Batman film? I can't I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> As, so after Bad Blood, I have another one, and the other, the next one after that's pretty badass. Uh, I didn't do ah. Killing Joke, so uh, but I did work on Killing Joke. Uh, oh, I did wow. help out on that, uh, but that's Sam's movie, and we'll right. be we'll be premiering that and and kind of promoting that in uh, around Comic Con, I believe. But uh, but that's the last one that we've kind of announced. So the my the one after announced after that is my next one. Um, and that one's, I'm hoping is going to be pretty awesome because I haven't seen it back from animation. It's being animated right now, but it's, uh, it's pretty awesome. I think if it turns out the way that I think it will, I think all the fans will just go batshit crazy. Oh. Um, and then, so my next one, the one that's coming up that I have yet to start is hopefully going to be starting around May of this year. Um, and that'll be my 10th one. So I, after that one, I could actually retire and they could have a box set, of <laughs> which is my hope. But, That's uh, the dream. <laughs> How long would you say it usually takes for one of your movie projects to get going? Like from inception to DVD release, for example. Um, some, it's, it's really fast. You know, what's funny is that it's really similar to almost live action in some ways. Like in live action, you can, from the time you start pre-production to the time you finish the movie, it could be about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, with us, it's about the same. It's about a year. We, we do, I think the writing, some scripts, uh, you know, are done pretty quick. Some take a little, little time, but from the time that we, I get the script, and pre-production, we start storyboarding to the time it gets back. It's about, mm, I mean, I, I'd say about eight months, right? Um, so, for example, Batman Bad Blood, which is coming out in February, we had, I had done that, when did I do that? I did that over a year ago. Uh, and and we had, I had, we, I had mixed it and we had locked it around i think july of this year so it's from july august it's been kind of getting ready for the release date so it's been about four months five months before it actually gets released so whenever i do interviews on batman bad blood on my recent movie i have to like go back and look at my notes and watch the film again because again a year and some changes passed um so it takes it takes quite a while uh, because remember once i finish uh, like once i finish bad blood or uh, once I finish the storyboards, I jump on in another movie, you know. So we, so at any time we're on rotation, and and I'm always working on something, 
So it's not like I'm, I'm seeing a movie from beginning to end and all I'm doing is waiting for that movie to be done. Like as soon as I finish storyboards on, on one, I jump onto another one and, and, and while that one's being animated, then I jump on another one. And once I'm on that one, then I get the animation back and I start doing post work. So it's, I, yeah, it's pretty crazy. There's times when I, I, I kind of laugh at how much work I've actually accomplished that year. Right. Because it seems like you're always, it's from, there's no break. It's from one project to the next project. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it's one after, which is nice because then, you know, I mean, steady paycheck is always good. I, I don't like, I don't like being out of work. So it's always nice to be able to, uh, jump onto another project. And I think the other thing is for me is that, uh, not that I get bored, but my mind, like I want to be on something new all the time. So by me, jumping onto something totally different, it kind of helps kind of revive the kind of creative juices so that when I do, you know, do something else, uh, I'm still refreshed. I still feel, you know, I still feel like I'm pushing myself. Um, that's why, like, I, I always tell people, like, every film that I do, I always try to top the previous film, you know? So uh, I try to either up the action, up the drama, you know, do something that I haven't really done before, you know, try to shoot it a little bit more cinematic, try to, you know, do something different because, I don't want to look back at my career and be like, oh, wow, this is my best movie. And then everything else after that wasn't so hot. <laughs> so uh, since you started talking about Batman Bad, Bad Blood, we, we really should jump into that. Okay. Um, now in the New 52, Batman is, is sort of missing. And it sounds like in Batman Bad Blood, Batman is missing as well. Is there is there a reason why in Batman Bad Blood, uh, Bruce is missing did you were you guys taking kind of like cues from what's going on with Scott Snyder's work right now, or is it something that you're just like, all right, like Bruce is just missing? Uh, you know, I, that that thing would be more of James Tucker would be able to answer that. James is a producer, and he usually works close to the writers about coming up with a lot of these premises. But in terms of these of these movies, we only use the New Fifty Two as just uh, kind of a jumping off point, but they're all their own, own continuity. We're not we're trying to you know follow the comics too much. I mean, there's a few things that we cherry pick, like you know Batman versus Robin. Well, you know there's a Court of Owls stuff, so we just took things here and there. But at the same time, like this is an entirely new continuity. So you know, uh, you know, I remember when I was at New York, everybody booed at this, but I was telling them because somebody asked about like where's Tim Drake and where's you know uh, these other characters and the other Robins, and I'm like, well, in this continuity, it was only Dick Grayson, and then it was Damien. So we haven't gotten to Tim. Him and 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 the other guys so you know but then everybody booed it then i'm like come on guys i mean you know i'm not gonna you guys weren't you know that that heartbroken that in you know nolan's you know dark knight series that there was no robin you know i mean this is just a different alternate you know version of batman and in this universe after dick with damien so and and the nice thing though is that you're gonna see us hopefully introduce Tim and introduce the other characters in, in the rogues gallery and, and Batman's universe. But we're doing it baby steps. Like basically just the war was the first time we meet Batman and, and son of Batman and all the ones after that are all just following Batman's kind of storyline and what he's dealing with. And, and this is still a youngish Batman. You know, he's, he's still not as suave and as awesome as the Batman, the animated series, you know, Kevin Conroy, Batman, but but that was the thing that, again, uh, you know, I was talking about uh, why I like some of these films. It's like, you know, for example, Batman versus Robin was more of a father-son story. And I've never seen Batman as a father, in even in the Kevin Conroy stuff. At least not really. I mean, remember when he, maybe when he did 
Batman Beyond, he was more of a father figure to right. Terry. Yeah. But at least in this series, we have a guy who's like in his thirties. I think Batman's in his thirties in, in the in the in this series. And 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 he's got a kid that he never really knew about, and he now he has to raise, and and he you know with all of the awesomeness, all the things that Batman knows of you know all the martial arts, he's a super genius, he, he's an inventor, all this stuff, you know he doesn't know how to be a father because his father was taken from him so early, and and he doesn't he has no idea. That's the one thing he doesn't really know, and so he kind of like maybe every now and then he looks at Alfred, he's like, what should I do, Alfred? Because, you know, Alfred is probably the only surrogate father Bruce had. But even then, I don't think Alfred was like the, you know, I don't think he was the, the kind of father figure that could teach Bruce how to be a good dad. And so now he's thrown into the, with this kid who, who, now here's the thing with, 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 uh, with Damien. You know, people don't like him, and you know he's such. You know, I, I I hear a lot of things about him, and you know, for a while I I kind of agreed with him, but then I was talking to James, and I was just trying to wrap my mind around Damien because I didn't do Son of Batman. That was Ethan Spaulding. He had done the first of the series, and so I came in Batman versus Robin, and I was trying to wrap my mind around like how do I play Damien, and James just told me you play Damien like it's Bruce Wayne as a kid. Like if Bruce Wayne now was the kid, you know how Bruce Wayne's kind of a smart ass and whatever. That's kind of what Damien is, you know, just without the filters. And and after I realized it, I'm like, oh, okay, Damien is more like a little Bruce Wayne. Oh, that makes more sense now. Then now I understand why he can be a little brash, a little bit annoying. Because let's face it, if you're Batman, if you're Bruce Wayne, you'd be. I'm sure the rest of the Justice League find Bruce a little annoying every now and then. But that's part of his charm, you know. Uh, and they've all they're all friends that way. Um, but coming from a little kid. You know, uh, I can see why that would rub a lot of the fans. But we, we use that. We use that where, you know, uh, Dick and him have, you know, this kind of uh, antagonistic relationship because Dick's like, well, I was the first Robin. And Damon's like, well, I'm his son. Like, well, <laughs> you know, it's like it's like they're like measuring each other, like who's got the bigger dick kind of. So, to speak. <laughs> so um, I have to ask, Batman yeah. vs. Robin has like one of the best scenes ever. Whose idea was it to have Nightwing pull the cape over Damian Wayne and just oh, repeatedly punch my, him in the face? That was, that was thank you idea. so much for that. <laughs> like, thank you so much. You should win umpteen awards for that, man. So my my storyboard artist Christina Soda, she was story she she's she's a big Nightwing fan, and so that was her first kind of like doing an action sequence. So I was like, hey, I'm gonna give you a sequence. It's got Nightwing and. And he's fighting uh, Damien. I tell him, like, this is going to be a fan favorite, so you're going to have to do something cool. And uh, at first, she was a little kind of like, oh, God, this is going to be big. I said, just relax. I told her, like, you know, we'll work through it. Just, I just told her, like, let's just come up with some fun stuff. So she, she showed me her initial uh, kind of run of storyboards. And normally what I do is uh, I'll look at the storyboards, and then I go and I start tweaking stuff, you know, because then, you know, I'll be like, okay, do this, fix that, and add this. So one of the things I wanted to do is I wanted – one of the scenes I wanted is I wanted uh, – them to fight where the 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 cases are where all the the, the um where the outfits are the, the suits are yeah. yeah so i wanted i wanted them to fight there and i wanted because i wanted to set up the image where where you see the reflection of nightwing but on the robin mask yeah and and so i was like okay well let's do a thing where like you know he smashes him against the glass we do some dialogue here and then and then and then when they were fighting she had some she, she had uh, where Damien frees himself and then they were fighting. And I was, I looked at, looked at the boards. I looked at her. I'm like, you know what needs here? She's like, what? 
have him grab the cape, put it over his head, and just beat the shit out of him. It's so good. <laughs> it was the most yeah. unexpected badass thing I've Definitely. seen in films yeah. in a long time. But you know what's funny is that people don't realize because they're like, oh, uh, Damien beat uh, Nightwing. I can't believe you had, you know, Damien so overpowered. I'm like, he's babysitting the guy. I'm like, do you really think they're really trying to kill each other? Right, I mean, he's not going to give him a concussion. <laughs> yeah, but they're just sparring and they're just, you know, they're they're basically just, like I said, they're measuring dicks. And they're saying who's the who's more important to Bruce. And, and you know, uh, because they're sparring, you know, Dick gets a few good jabs at him, you know, and 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 you know, Damien just happens to catch Dick, you know, uh, with his guard down, and and you know, knocks him over. But that doesn't mean that he won, you know. So uh, there's no everybody always wants like you know, Dick's got to be this or Batman's. I, I remember, uh, geez, I remember I did. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yes, yes. Uh, so I remember that movie came out, and all people could fixate on was that Batman's so weak. I can't believe he just Batman getting his ass kicked. And I'm like, hold up, because I did that whole fight sequence <laughs> yeah. at the end with, with you know the Justice League fighting the Injustice League or whatever uh-huh. the, the the other guy, the bad guys. And I was like, no, no, look at who Batman is fighting. He's fighting all these superpowered beings. So if you're these superpowered beings, who are you gonna pick on? You're gonna pick on Superman, or you're gonna pick on Flash, or you're gonna pick on the guy who has no powers? So of course. They're gonna pick on Batman, but I, but if you watch it, Batman holds his own. Like he's still, even though he's getting worked on some of the shots, you know, he, he is still, you know, maneuvering himself so that way, you know, Flash can come in and, yeah. and get judged quick. He's gonna. So when he's fighting Owlman, you know, it's not getting his ass kicked. It's just Owlman. He's got a suit like you know, like Tony Stark's Iron Man suit, and that's basically, and he's kind of superpowered, but. But Batman is just, you know, using all the things he knows to stay alive, and and I like that about Batman. I think that's one of the draws that I think I like about Batman because he's just a regular dude, and I mean, I don't think he's really regular because I don't know anybody who could be, you know, who could take a beating that that badly and still be able to walk around. But but that's the nice thing is that he's not invulnerable. I mean, uh, one of the hard things with Superman and trying to find a compelling Superman story. Is that he's invulnerable, you know? It's, it's hard, and you, I mean, you can't keep bringing out kryptonite every, you know, every issue or every right. every movie because then it gets boring. It's like, oh, he's got kryptonite. Oh, it's like, so that's why some <laughs> characters you need to have faults, you know, and you need to find like what can get either mess with them psychologically or or you know or the fact that they have you know limitations in their own life. One of my favorite characters is Spider Man, and I love Spidey because. You know, he's not a millionaire. I can empathize with him. Like, he has to go to the Daily Bugle, sell photos to J. Jonas Jameson, who's going to post it that he hates Spider-Man. But but Peter needs it to make ends meet and pay his bills. And then Peter, like, I love, like, how, you know, Peter has to go to school. He's falling asleep in class. And then he has to go out and fight crime because he's not like he's being paid. But if he doesn't go out there something's going to happen and he won't be there to help save someone or help someone. And he's just going, he's just going out there because he's a good guy and he's doing it because he really wants to be a help to society and help people. And, and, and I can empathize with that. And I think that's great. And out of all the characters, I think he's one of my, my most favorite because there's so much about his life and his character that I can relate to. And at the same time, He's got powers, but he's not super overpowered. You know, he he can only lift up a, what a VW Bug. You know, ten <laughs> times the most that he can. Yeah, my Marvel universe. I memorized that when I was a kid. Uh, but 
but his power set in, is such in a way that it leaves so much more to the storytelling and to the imagination of the writers and the and the artists than like you know again like Superman. Superman's a, he's a tough cookie to to kind of really find things. I'm not I'm not saying that there aren't any compelling stories with Superman, except his stories just like if you do a Justice League. Um, uh, story has to be big and bombastic it has to be because you can't you can't have superman stop a bank robbery and that is your only action piece for superman because anybody can foil a bank robbery. hell jessica jones can foil a bank <laughs> she doesn't have a costume and, and so that's why like when we do you know these especially when you compare like people <laughs> i was reading an article about they're like uh, Avengers and Justice League, like who would win? I'm like, okay, Justice League are pretty much all gods. Like they are so overpowered. Like if they were in like a video game, people would not want to play you because they're overpowered. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, only really Thor and and uh, uh, and the Hulk can really kind of hold their own. But I mean, you've got guys who check this out. Flash, even if they lose the fight, Flash can just go back in time and change time. Right. Like. You know, it's like when you have a guy who can change time, you have a guy who can, you know, move the earth. Uh, you, know, you know, basically everybody on the Justice League is very overpowered. So it's so it's hard to come up with stories that uh, is a little bit more human, uh, you know, other than following one of the characters and, and following that, that story. And it's it's hard. I mean, Justice League is a hard it's a very hard um like story to write as opposed to, you know, some of the other heroes. That's why we tend to go to Batman because, you know, his stories relate. It's more of the human condition, more, it's more grounded to earth. Um, and you know, it doesn't mean that we won't, because I love Justice League stuff, but that's why they have to fight Darkseid. Like if you had the Justice League show up and they're fighting Weather Wizard, <laughs> really, you know? Uh, <laughs> like can you imagine that like where the is like haha i have you now central city and then like superman drops down green lantern wonder woman and batman and cyborg and, and where is like really i want to see yeah, this now <laughs> can you write that <laughs> can you can you just do that <laughs> yes yes so that, that, thank you <laughs> but you know what That'll be the shortest direct-to-video ever. <laughs> 30 seconds, done. And then people will be like, I can't believe I paid 20 bucks for this. <laughs> uh, we don't want to take up too much more of your time, man, but we do want to talk a little bit about Bad Blood. Okay. Um, so we're getting, uh, we're getting the character Batwing. Yes. And that's, that's very, very interesting. Like, where did this all come from and who made the awesome call to make Batwing African-American? Oh, uh, well, it's based on the Batwing that's in the comics right now, um, I believe. Uh, so Batwing, so Batwoman and Batwing are, the nice thing about the format that we're doing now is that it allows us to bring in much newer characters into the DC animated universe that we never saw before. So we, you know, in this, in this film, we were trying to figure out, okay, well, you know, who who can we introduce into this film that maybe we can branch off to do, you know, their own solo films, you know? Um, uh, because, you know, it's hard to do a, like, hey, let's do a solo film for Batwoman. And people are like, well, who's Batwoman? <laughs> Even though, like, you know, a lot of comic fans know Batwoman, but right. we do it this way. It's like Boba Fett. Boba Fett had one line, everybody loves Boba Fett. I mean, Boba Fett really didn't really do anything cool. He fell into a sawlack pit and got eaten, and that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> but we loved him. He looked great. He had 
awesome screen presence. So, I mean, that's the thing for these films is that, like, you know, with just, like I said, with Flashpoint Paradox, we made Flash the leading man, gave him a good story to show that, hey, he can be a lead character. And in fact, Jeff Johns then recut uh, the ending of Flashpoint Paradox to then pitch to the CW to get the Flash TV series done. Uh, and and so uh, that's what we're doing with these animated films is that we, we are going to try to introduce newer characters, not, of course, take away from the main characters. Like a Batman film is still going to be a Batman film, just these are just League film. But we can introduce like what we do with Throne of Atlantis, like, well, here's Aquaman, you know, and, and hopefully, you know, fans love the Aquaman or we can do some future stuff and we can branch off and do maybe an Aquaman Batman film or an Aquaman Wonder Woman or Aquaman Superman or whatever, you know. Uh, but it allows us to see kind of what the market is at, see if people you know, get good feedback about, you know, if they like the characters, if they don't, you know, um, and kind of go from there. And and so Batwing, again, I think he, he's in the comics uh, and I believe uh, we're basing it. I don't know if because I think there were two different bat wings. I don't. I think we kind of did an amalgamation of both. Again, I don't really know gotcha. the whole story behind it, but uh, but I know we're, we based it based on the the current version of what Batwing is in the comics. Awesome, that's great, man. I mean, I think that we're gonna let you go and have your night to yourself, man. Jay, it, it was a pleasure having <laughs> you on the show, man. Are you sure there's no other question? I can uh, <laughs> Anybody here? Uh, question, questions? I'm, like, I'm good. Like, you pretty much covered, like, a lot of... Everything I know. Yeah, man, you... You, you, you took you us took to our, You actually, yeah, you took us to school for sure. You took our question list and pretty much dissected it before we got to them, so... <laughs> Which is perfect. I'm, I'm so happy, man. We we can't thank you enough for coming on the show. It was our pleasure. Yeah, let me know what you guys think when you finally see Bad Blood. Oh, uh, we yeah. definitely are you, will. Are you guys East Coast time, West Coast time? Yeah, we're East Coast. East Coast. Like, we're in Michigan. Okay. Oh, it must be cold there. Yeah, yeah. we're in Flint. <laughs> nice. nice. Well, uh, I know we're going to do our premiere in New York. But yeah, when you get, I think it's gonna it's gonna go on digital download probably like a week or two before the actual street date. So if you guys ever check it out, let me know what you think. I, it's one of my favorites that I've done. It's I, I think I there's a sequence in there I can't really tell you more than this that I did personally that is one of the most complicated fight choreography that I've ever done uh, to that point. Um, and I think you'll dig it because it's a fan, it'll be a fan favorite and um, and my one. My one kind of uh, mandate for this movie was I told my crew that I want Batwoman to be uh, badass in this movie, but I want her to be as kind of light as Thomas Wayne was in Flashpoint Paradox. Even though nice. Thomas Wayne wasn't the main character, but Thomas Wayne, we made Thomas like badass. Yeah. And I want, that's my thing for her. Like I wanted to make her badass but at the same time i wanted her to feel like a real person and and be believable like one of the things like in the movie is that she is a lesbian but one of the things i, I told james and and I, I wanted to make clear was that i didn't want that to be what her character was about like i just want like for example like you know it'd be like i wanted to pretend, present the fact that she is a lesbian like her favorite color is blue, you know, like it's just like that. Like it's nothing sensationalized just because she's a lesbian. It's something like, Oh, I just want to be like, that's who she is. I mean, there's, it's not, it's nothing, you know, there's nothing good, nothing bad. It's just, that's how it's like, like I say, it's a preference. 
And I didn't want to make that to be her defining part of her character. I wanted her just to be, to stand on her own as just a badass, uh, strong woman that's vulnerable, that has, you know, a, a life unto her own and has a kind of mission of why she's a hero and, and kind of focusing on that. So that's one thing that I hope that it comes through in the movie, even though she's not the main character and she does kind of play second fiddle to Dick. We call it Dick Batman because Dick <laughs> is Dick. But the great thing is Dick puts on the gray and blue suit. We always want to do it with the yellow emblem and you'll see him put that on. And, 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 and one of the things that we do there is, uh, I, ha- I made sure that everybody had a specific way of fighting. So the way Dick fights, uh, you know, as Nightwing, he- he's very similar to the way he fights as Batman, as Dick Batman, but which is different than when we actually see Batman and how he fights. And same thing with with uh, what's her face with um, with Kate with uh, Batwoman. Her fighting styles are very different than both Batman and Dick because she never trained with them. And so yeah. you get this nice different kind of amalgamation of all these different fighting styles and, and kind of character stuff that uh, I think it, it really end up kind of fun. So, so what we're going to do is February 2nd is when Bad Book comes out. What we'll do is February 3rd is when we'll drop this episode. Okay. So. Yeah, and um, if you guys ever want to like go and just do a whole Bad Blood thing, just let me know. I can do that. Or we just all talk about Bad Blood. Oh, yeah. Awesome. And yeah, we can go a little more in-depth into... Like you can ask me all the questions, like, "Oh, why'd you do this? Or how'd you do that? Oh, that was a cool sequence. Or what was it? I'm more than happy to go over that." Awesome. And then the future films that you guys do too, like if you want to jump back on and talk to us about that, that'd be awesome as well. No, no problem. Like I said, I got another one coming out, but that won't be coming out till next year, I think, around this time. Right on. Yeah. Jay, where can we find you on uh, social media? Uh, let's see. I am on Twitter. I think it's um, at Oliva one because I think somebody else has Oliva. Uh, and then uh, I think you can just go to my webpage. I've got uh, jayoliva.com uh, or cinematicstoryboard.com. That has all my storyboards there and contact information. Uh, and, yeah, just keep keep uh, keep uh, supporting all the, the stuff that I do and, uh, and DC Warner Brothers does. And Marvel because I do some Marvel stuff too. Right. Wow, man. I So much information. We, we could just go on forever here, but we're going to have to end this episode, man. For episode 54 of Shailene on Batman, Jay, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Oh, anytime. Thanks, guys, for having me on. Thank, thank you. you. I am the Knight. I am the Knight.